Daddy Lady, the book club of love. Welcome to, is this a twin site? For it to be a twin site, we would have had to remember the last episode that we did. And that was uh, five years, five and a half years ago. Okay. Tonight, actually. It was on a night just like this. It was. It was the worst accident we ever saw. <laughs> and when they pulled that episode out of the, <laughs> out of the truck, how did it look? Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh <laughs> God. It's what? It's FUPA looked amazing. It's FUPA looked amazing. Yes. Okay. Pee-wee's Big Adventure reminds me of Tim Burton, which reminds me that a dear friend of ours left us. Can we just say a little thing about Albert Cuellar? Yeah. Short tribute to this wonderful, creative, gentle soul that was Tim Burton's assistant for a long time and so incredibly talented. Yeah, you... just a, an amazing artist. He did these paintings of us that I just like is the centerpiece of my my office. I hadn't talked to him for a long time. He'd just gotten back on Instagram and just was posting photo after photo of his amazing art. You can look him up. He's Art Specter One on Instagram, um, and you can see that what he's contributed to Slayer album artwork <laughs> and SpongeBob SquarePants, yeah, Tim Burton stuff. You put up a little thing about him in Tijuana. Yeah, we did a show. Was I there? Now I'm trying to remember if it was the San Diego. I did one San Diego show without you. It might have been or, that, but I could have sworn it was a Tijuana show. And Liz was that Liz Verburn. A, a lucha libre. A lucha libre Con show. misterioso. Yeah. And we, I don't, I don't think it was the first show. I think it was the second time we went down to do a triple a show blaine blaine came with us that time we all squeezed in the back of uh mysterious that was the first time was it yeah god and the second time what the heck i know but anyway i just have the memories of like we, we ended up at this little tiny like outdoor patio oh i do remember that yes and okay. we're all sitting around uh, sitting getting food like super late at night before like, our long haul all the way back to <laughs> LA and yeah Albert was sitting next to me and this woman came by and she was I think she was selling like these two shells I have it I have it I still have that it's like a little shelf it's two little shells and there's a um there's a saint on the inside a paper saint I have it still I was there okay yeah (laughs) anyway nice memory what was Albert doing there he came with Liz I guess yeah (laughs) those were and he wrote a little thing about nostalgia, um, which I also posted on Instagram. And going, I was just trying to find a photo of him because he was a part of probably, I think, the most special time in our creative lives, I'm going to say. Yeah. Brick Tops, which was um, this club that happened once a month. Maybe once a week, a 1920s a week. club in West Hollywood. It was incredible. It was yeah. the highlight of everyone's lives. It, it was, was it was run by um, Vaginal Miss, Davis. Miss, Miss Vaginal Davis. Dr. Vaginal Dr. Davis. Dr. Miss Vaginal Davis, uh, who's famous, just go look her up. Yeah, and he was part. That's how we met him. And then he was, uh, you know, part of the early days of Lucha Vavum. And yeah, just everyone was young, and we didn't have normal jobs, and we got dressed up in nineteen twenties clothes every week, and just drank a lot, and danced a lot, and had a good time. And we came up with some of our weirdest acts during that time. Here's some love up to the heavens, or as my kids say, to the star. They, they asked, where did we come from before we were in your belly? And then one of them said, a star. So that's what we say now. Because they're young enough to remember where their soul came from. Yep. So Albert might be on a star looking down. So we love you, Albert. Okay. Um, we have a very after-school special today. It doesn't it doesn't get that way till the end. Um, we want to... And then it goes full episode of Different Strokes where somebody admits something. Do you remember that in the... 
eighties when you'd be watching a sitcom and then all of a sudden And then and then all of a sudden wait, Kimberly shows up in blackface and it's okay because <laughs> she made everything better somehow by showing up in blackface. Uh, something like that. But anyway, what we're trying to say is there's a trigger warning for yes. um sexual assault. And it's a real moment. So please have that in mind. Yeah. You know what I was thinking? Is this might What be, were you thinking, Parvin? I was thinking that this, what what my dream would be would, would be that this might actually be a trigger warning for a man. Because th- though we don't describe the behavior of this, it's common. And I think it's this kind of, uh, what happened is easily committed without you even knowing you've done something wrong. Mm. In which case, I hope you hold on to that feeling and find a therapist to talk to. How's that for deep? All right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye bye. Hi, Pierre Elizabeth. Hi, Barbara Ann. Well, we have a book that we have been struggling with. Yeah. Well, I've been struggling with it. Have you? I did struggle with it. I've been through a lot of ups and downs. This book was an adventure for me. It was uh, recommended to us by Sheila, um, who we did a Twitter view with several episodes back. She said, yeah, you're going to want to burn this book, but it works. So how could we not? Yeah. It's Sheila of the unsolicited dick pic. So, you know. Yeah. She's, she's, she knows what she's doing. And she, yeah. She does. She's got a lot of experience in getting out there and, and dating and stuff like that. So this book is called Getting to I Do by Dr. Pat Allen. The Secret to Doing Relationships Right. The, one of the reasons I had such a hard time with this book is that I, I found there's a lot of contradictions in it. Like the whole thesis of it is kind of based on like perpetuating patriarchy. You can kind of boil down this book into there's two types of people in a relationship, right? A man and a woman. And that's not based on gender necessarily. But for simplicity's sake, it's man and a woman. The woman can play a man's part. The man can play the woman's part. But anyway, the man in the relationship gets he gets respect and he gets to express what he thinks. And the woman gets to be she gets to be cherished. And she gets to express her feelings. Yes. So that is the basic premise. And you need to stay in your lane or else you're going to have conflict. Sheila described it as the woman needs to just shut the fuck up. (laughs) And she said she'd heard about this from her um, really outspoken friend who said, it worked for me. I got a husband. So, you know, she was able to do it. Mm -hmm. And then Sheila's really outspoken. She was able to do it. Yeah. So I think maybe that's what made us curious about this. Yeah. So for me, there's so much stuff in this book. It's kind of like arguing with a Trump supporter like where do you start Hmm. like the whole thing is based on fallacies super problematic so like I was going through it trying to make sense of it and it just wasn't there's no arguing with it because you know well, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's sure it's yeah. It takes a lot of effort for something that I don't believe in. Do you have some examples that you're going to read to sort of illustrate stuff? Before we get into that, I want to say that my take was a little different. Part of it is I don't have a stake. I'm not trying to get to I do. I got to I do. I did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I didn't. Reading this book, I could you know, as with everything that I read, I get to cherry pick what I want. And there were some things I could cherry pick out of this. And then number two is that I spoke to her. You fell in love with. Dr. Pat. I did. My new, I got a new grandma. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But to begin with, Barbara, you want to read some illustrative? Yes. Paragraph. And may I say that while you were busy falling in love with her, I was going through some real personal stuff. Yeah. And I don't like to talk about personal stuff involving my ex-husband because he's the father of my children. And I think it's really uncool. Yeah. However, 
I can't deny that this stuff is affecting me. And I'm doing a podcast about relationships. Yeah. And so sometimes it's going to cross over. But you can you can do it in a way that's classy. L- let's just say without giving away too much information, I was dealing with a lawyer recently uh-huh. while you were um, just yeah. just running through the meadow towards Pat Allen. Yes. Just both of our <laughs> arms, arms extended towards each other. Yeah. I was in the exact opposite world. Not only like like slogging through an old relationship that brought up a lot of feelings. I was also dealing with a lot of toxic patriarchisms. Mm. You know what I mean? I was like I knee do. deep in it. I um, so I don't know how much I'm going to talk about that, but that, that's kind of like where my head was and where your head was as we were going through this book. So I found... So, so you, maybe you didn't find a book telling you to shut up to be useful? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why I brought that up. Anyway, like I made so many notes in this book, but in the end, I just flipped it open, put my finger on a page, found like the entire book summed up in this one little sub chapter. Brad, which chapter is it? It's on page 128. It's in the no sex without commitment section. It's called how men fall in love and how women share love. So I thought I could just like read some of this and it would, I think it encapsulates everything in the book. So any points you had, I hope are in here, like in this little section so we can use it as a jumping off point. Cool. Okay. So the first uh, first line is, only a masculine man falls in love. A feminine woman doesn't. She must already be in love with herself. Sounds good, right? Yeah. If a woman has been well loved by her father, she will be in love with herself. Oh, fuck you. (laughs) Way to ruin it. So here we go. Strong start. Yes, I agree that you need to love yourself, but you know, you're dependent on the love of your father in order to... What if you got two moms? Okay, don't blow Pat's mind because (laughs) that doesn't exist in this world. And I'm sure she has lots to say about that if someone was ballsy enough to suggest that two parents could be of the same sex. So any, does that trigger anything for you? Does that... I mean, yeah, that doesn't... Well, okay, look, this book was written in 1994. Did you know that when Barbara and I were in high school, there were no gay kids? (laughs) Except for the one I was in love with? (laughs) Sorry. There were lots of gay kids, and none of them were out. It was a weird, different time. And uh, the idea of maybe growing up without a father, or having two moms, or having two dads, or or whatever, not really um, something that this book covers too complicated because she has her thesis about men and women and if you diverge from that it's very upsetting to her oh you're looking at me like you want to kill me okay it's barbara it's not we're gonna talk more about that Mm -hmm. all right next paragraph a man cannot fall in love with a woman who is not already in love with herself i like it it's not true (laughs) (laughs) because i hated myself for a long time and had plenty of men fall in love with me Well, maybe your twin loved you and that was enough. Um, what? Maybe you were loved enough. Okay. No. No? You didn't love yourself? No. I mean, I loved myself. Like, I didn't want to kill myself. I loved life. I loved myself a bit, but, you know, very self-conscious, very insecure. Does that mean you don't love yourself? I love myself now. Yeah, I totally, I'm totally in love with myself now. I mean, (laughs) seriously, I made three kids at once. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself. All right. You know, it's really changed for me. That's made me fall in love with myself. What? Finding my voice. Mm. Oh, 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 mm. oh. Uh-huh. Oh, oh. <laughs> do, do, do. 
And then she says, a woman who loves a man better than herself risks an addictive obsession in which she loses herself completely in service to his narcissistic ego. That actually doesn't have much to do with a man cannot fall in love with a woman who is not already in love with herself. It does make sense, but don't put those two sentences together. Continue. (laughs) And then uh, she gives an example of how Sally worshipped Larry. She loved doing things for him, you know, like being his mom, basically. And uh, she got nothing back. Okay, a man, and then a man projects a virtuous image on the woman he wants to marry. When a woman falls from grace and gives a man casual sex, that man can no longer marry her. If I can get it that cheap, other men will too, is the way men think. Go, Vera, go. All right, so I did a little research on Dr. Pat Allen, and Pat Allen was brought up Catholic. Right now, she's 80, 86 or 87, mid-80s. Mm-hmm. She's still kicking. She has a radio show that she does every Thursday, 4 to 6. So she's a different generation, mm-hmm. for starters, born in, I guess, around 35 or so. She uh, was married. And around the late 60s, right, when women's lib was taken off, uh, she was at her very worst. She had tried to hurt her husband. She was in the hospital. She tried to hurt her husband. Yeah. How? I don't. I don't know. I read. I read it. Physically read, harm him. I don't know. It says in an interview. So doesn't sound like a well woman to me. She wasn't. She okay. was drinking. She was depressed. She was in a shitty relationship. So while women's lib was all around her, it certainly wasn't working for her. And that's when she was at her lowest point, mm-hmm. which I think is she mentions quite a few times like she does not believe in women's lib. Mm-hmm. This is like the anti-women's lib thing. And that would make sense if you're watching women's lib all over the place and you're putting your husband in the hospital or whatever. Probably you're not going to really like women's lib too much, right? Yeah. This is just or a psychology behind it. You're going to feel disempowered because you can't join the pack i don't know i don't know i'm just telling you what i learned about her okay so but she has been sober for a very long time she got sober in the early 70s and she wrote this book in 94 when she was about she was in her late 50s one of the things she talks about in the book is like hey it's a woman's time to shine like in menopause that's when you get back into the workforce that's when you that's when you start in the workforce actually yeah that's when you start in the workforce you've raised your kids um your hormones are leveled out or you know you you you're more of a put together woman in your you know menopausal years or whatever right i mean who's she talking about oh she's talking about herself she is talking about herself And in this interview, she speaks a lot about wanting to help people. So we have a woman from a Catholic background, not of our generation. She was at odds with her own generation, you know, the 60s, 70s. She's coming at this from a highly personal point of view. And we've talked about gurus quite a bit, haven't Mm -hmm. we? What do we think about gurus? We think they're really evil. Yeah, we don't like them at all. She she describes herself as a relationship guru in the in the beginning of this book. You know, she was a woman who had marriages that didn't work out and she she wanted a career. And when you have a career, you build a brand and her brand is this very specific thesis mm-hmm. that men should be men and women should be women. And you, you she's espousing this in the 90s. She's been doing this for decades. Mm-hmm. I don't. How many people do you know that kind of switch up their thing that they're famous for? Was she famous for anything before? Oh, I see what you're saying. Like she, she's been doing this for a long time. She can't change what she's saying. Yeah, she was uh, actually taking clients up until February. She's semi-retired now. I guess mm-hmm. she still does a radio show. She still has her group of women that get together. None of this is a justification for things that we disagree with. But when you pick up a book that is supposed to tell you how relationships go, I don't think you can ever discount the author. That's all. That's all my point is. This is supposed to be a, a book that's empowering women to get into a relationship, and she's claiming that they can. It's possible for them to fall from grace, that they are cheap. 
yeah they can cheapen themselves well i don't agree with any of that and how does that how does that empower i don't know it doesn't. Okay. The other thing but is... But if you're Catholic, you would go, yes, I, I shouldn't have premarital sex. It should be like by Dr. Pat Allen, Catholic woman. <laughs> well, it doesn't say that. You should. And nobody that you ever listen to, no guru, no author, is going to tell you their biases before you start reading their book. It's up to you to go ahead and, and, and look into this stuff. I mean, I would not have looked her up if I wasn't interested in finding out where these kind of weird ideas came from. You know, and it put this book in a different perspective from mine, which is, I don't agree with any of those kind of moral guidelines that religion has to offer. So it gave me, you know, a whole shaker of salt to read this with. You said who changes their brand. Mm -hmm. The fact that she constantly says that she's referring to science, uh, scientific uh, statistics. Uh I just read uh, some doctor posting about how, no, it was actually on Hinge. He's a physician, and one of his little comment things is, did you know that uh, medical knowledge doubles every 12 years? Yeah. And yet, she's still standing by stuff she learned in 19, pre-1994. Yep. Okay. You should know this before you pick up the book. <laughs> um, also, I mean, if you think back to a year and a half ago, how much more the population of the world understands about social justice, social issues, mm-hmm. gender relationships. Yep. <laughs> It, I would say it's like 10,000 dupled. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're not arguing with me. What? And yet, I'm, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing love, with okay. you. I don't. This is a thing, Barbara. I don't love her. You don't love what she does? You love no. who she is? I guess what I got out of this book was the conclusion I made was you really need to know more about the person who wrote it before you go ahead and agree with what they've written. Because people come from very personal points of view. And okay. it's the same way I feel about any guru. You you can't take what they say. You, you just... Okay, you know what? Let's talk about your interview. Okay, so I wanted you to call because you were actually looking for relationships right now. I am not. Um, but it was like the middle of the afternoon, so I decided to do it instead. Mm-hmm. Called up. You know, it's nerve-wracking. I wanted to have... It wasn't a prank phone call. Right. It wasn't like a gotcha thing. It was just like I had to have a reel that I wanted to talk to her about. So I dredged up 23-year-old Vera. I just caught and kicked out of the apartment that I shared with my boyfriend that I'd found for both of us. Marlon, of course. Mm-hmm. The, fa- the famous Marlon. I wanted her opinion on how to get back with him. I mean, you can listen to the entire record. I'll put up a link to it. And I expected just to to listen to her, you know, because I'd listened to a couple hours of her doing these question and answers. And it was was interesting because I wasn't expecting to get emotionally involved in it Mm -hmm. because she did start to argue with me a little bit. And all of a sudden I was like arguing back, you know, because like I wanted her to give me an answer. Like, how do I get this man? And the advice she gave me was not awful. You what know? was it? Well, she gave me a chapter to read, which I, after I was done, I went back and read it. And some of the things she talked about were, uh, did you have, before you moved in with him, did you have a contract? Did you have a negotiation with him about like what, how your time is going to be spent, how your money is going to be spent, all this kind of stuff? And no, the answer is no. I went into their, it to it blind. Like I never had any, you know, we'd never talked about really getting married. We never, I didn't have any security. You know, like when he kicked me out of the apartment, there was nothing I could do, even though it was the one that I had found. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course he didn't, let's say he he didn't kick me out actually he uh made it so toxic that i had to leave type oh, of thing but my it's like favorite yeah but i lost so i lost my home because i didn't have we, we hadn't talked finances i didn't have like the the financial leverage to stay like there was no 
there was no chance that I could tell him to leave. Mm-hmm. So none of that had been figured out beforehand. So she is correct on that, mm-hmm. you know? You know, that was a kind of conversation that I didn't I didn't feel that I could even have with him, though, back then. Like, I don't think there was something I could have done differently because there, the power structure in our relationship was so lopsided because mm-hmm. he was so much older than me and I didn't feel I had a voice, which is, you know, the opposite of this book. So according to her, what would have had to have happened is I would have had to just become very submissive and what is the stuff that I I actually say I spell out what I was supposed to have done according to her and she calls me a good girl Mm -hmm. because I understood what she had said in this book and I repeated it back to her and she appreciated that and when she called me good girl I felt good did you feel like a 23-year-old good girl? I felt like a 23-year-old good girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was interesting. And had I been 23 and she had given me this stuff, I think it could have worked. But here's the thing, though. It would have prolonged a bad relationship. Yeah, what if you gotten married to him? This book and Why Men Love Bitches, they give you tools to stay in bad relationships. Yeah, that's a great way of saying it. I, I did like talking to her, and I, I can appreciate that she's a woman who got out of marriages and made her own way and made this brand and is still doing it. I can appreciate that just as a person, but I think anyone who's going to go anywhere to get advice that's not talk therapy. That The other thing that was really great for me was saying this stuff out loud to another person, even though the advice that she gave me back wasn't fantastic i mean in the greater sense it wasn't fantastic it would have been it would have been destructive to me i realize that just that talk therapy is necessary Uh here's i'm going to sum it up if you're going to go to somebody and have them tell you what to do you better be damn sure that that person knows what they're doing yeah that's a good point we should be able to really research our therapists well the thing about therapy i mean you know more about therapy than i do often therapy their job is to get you to keep talking so that you figure out your own solution right is it? I don't um, know. I get a ton of advice from my therapist. Oh, you do? Oh, the yeah. therapist, the ther- last therapist I had did that to me. She would have me talk and, and I would work out my own advice and then you can hear yourself saying it. Just saying stuff out loud sometimes is yeah. very helpful, you know? But it, I think you need another person to say that too. Mm-hmm. So what I got out of talking to her was the benefit of talk therapy and then also just really having it underlined that if you're going to go to a book or you're going to go to a person who's going to tell you what to do, you've got to know what that person is all about and not put yourself in hands that are not good. Well, I have to say it's a little disturbing to hear that you were charmed by her. In the way that one is charmed by a guru. Yes. I mean, I already know that Tony Robbins is, you know... An island Bezos. Is an island Bezos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He takes his hard-earned money from his... (laughs) his clients and he buys an island with it just like bezos took all the hard-earned money from his amazon workers and went into a giant space stick (laughs) we both were really upset about this book and then you talk to her and you're charmed by her it doesn't change my opinion on the book no i know but like the power of the guru is very strong yes it is and that personal connection and her giving you i mean me good girl i was listening to the i listened to your interview Uh um i heard that halfway through you got really emotionally involved i did and then i heard her call you that 
I mean, it's just, it's a human connection, you know? I yeah. mean, she, it's a powerful thing. So it is, it is. Um, you gotta be aware of it. But you know what? That's why actually why I say don't even fuck around with a book like this. I'm going through some really hard stuff that I needed my voice for very badly. And so I have all this like real life stuff that's preventing me from being sucked into this book in any way and actually resenting the fuck out of it because the whole idea is like you keep your opinions to yourself. Mm -hmm. You are allowed to say, I feel a certain way and, and he's allowed to say, well, I think this. So you present your feelings and if he doesn't support your feelings or whatever, you have the option of saying, no, thank you. Yeah. And, but, that, and that's it. You get veto power and that's the extent of it. You don't get to initiate sex. Except for the parts in the book where she says you're supposed to initiate sex. Yeah. But the one thing that you have in this world is your voice and you are constantly being told not to use it. So it's it's the only thing you have to, mm -hmm. to find a footing in this world. And here she is telling you, don't cultivate that skill. And so fighting for my children in the you know, like last couple of months, I've been fighting for a better life for them. Mm -hmm. The only thing I had to do that is my voice, in my brain and my voice. If I had just laid down, I mean, not only with like the disagreements with my ex, the fucking lawyer treated me in a very similar way. Yeah. And I had to call him on it. Like, and the effort it takes 10 years ago, If and, and also if I wasn't fighting for children, if I was fighting for myself, I might not have been able to do it either. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I did end up spending another year with Marlon after he'd kicked me out. Mm -hmm. You know, I ended up accepting that. I ended up accepting a lesser version of our relationship that kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I think we said this in our first episode, when the bar gets lowered that far, you can step over it and walk away, which is what I did. But for my next relationship with Blaine that I got married to, I it took me years to find my voice again. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't able to ask for things in the beginning. And I'm lucky that he's a good man. And, you know, I, I lucked out with this wonderful person, but I didn't have a voice after that. I didn't have the means of expressing what I needed and wanted. Mm -hmm. And I had to spend years getting that back. One of her main points about like what this will bring to you as a woman, aside from some weird relationship that is not based on true love, you put your life aside while you raise your your kids mm -hmm. and then you hop into your blooming career at age 40 or 50 which is now I realize is what happened to her so she thinks it can happen to everyone I've been doing my job for over 20 years and one of my recent gigs with you know 20 plus years under my belt I was offered um, a starting salary yeah <laughs> To which I said, like, I don't know what that is. Um, I have no <laughs> idea what the number is, but um, here's what I make. <laughs> it's a problem when you can't see past your own experiences. And I think yeah. we're, we're seeing that a lot all over the place right now. You know, this kind of lack of um, being able to put yourself in other people's shoes. And uh, until it happens to you, it doesn't exist. I mean, we're, I don't mean to go on a tangent, but we're kind of seeing that with COVID now. You know, there's a lot of stories of like, well, I didn't feel like I wanted to get the vaccine and then I got it. Now I'm going to put my story in the newspaper about everybody should get a vaccine. Like if you're not able to imagine somebody else's situation, you don't have a very wide perspective. Yeah. And maybe she, you know, has a whole bunch of friends that have started their careers, written their first bestsellers at 60. But that, that isn't the norm. Here's another point that I'd like to make why this book I can't relate to it can't don't want to relate to it mm -hmm. well number one she doesn't she never references like true love like nothing she describes in here it's in, not called getting to I love you it's called getting to I do yeah which I don't know what that is like what so what now you're tied to some jerk who, who won't <laughs> listen to you like yeah. yay 
she describes kind of ne- Neanderthalic men too, who can't hey, process emotions. I don't got no emotions. Hey, and, sweetie. And like only want to fuck. And I guess so if that's what you want. And um, thanks. <laughs> Um, and, and she says men are like that and women are, are a certain other way. Like my experience, you know, after having sex for the first time and being rejected, I was like, oh, that's how things work. I, you know, I've like in your tweens and twenties, did you accept that men are from Mars and women are from Venus? Weren't you like, oh, fuck, fuck I, you. I, I, that's, I read that book that's not when a I thing. was, no, I read what he has another one called a, I don't know. I, he has some other fucking book. I decided to, you know, I didn't, I didn't take the, I didn't read the bestseller when I was trying to keep Marlon. I read the other one, <laughs> but yeah, it was a uh, men are this way and women are that way. But don't you automatically, like when you're, at least for me, I like automatically rejected it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to read it because I don't believe leave it everyone's equal and i haven't been stuck in this world long enough to know that yeah i, I did i did feel the same thing and i actually remember having this conversation with marlon i was like i don't think this is correct i think women i think people are way more similar yeah than this book is saying maybe there's different things going on with hormones or whatever but i i think that's an excuse yeah so i rejected that so when i was like rejected i i just like that was my i modeled off of that example like he had a girlfriend he still slept with me and then he rejected me without any feelings. I was like, cool, I can do that too. And so like, that's what I did. I had a lot of relationships and I didn't think twice about it. In my early, late teens, early twenties, I actually slept with a lot of virgins. That's just the age that we all were and, you know, just happened that way. And I really hurt some people too. Is this a Barbara Duffy apology tour? Right I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast and actually aired it because we've we've scrapped so many episodes, mm-hmm. but Incl- including the first version of this one. Yeah, but there's like one guy who, and I, you know, he was the roommate of the guy that I, you know, and so it, it was like partially my way of getting back at him, mm-hmm. you know, or getting his attention, whatever. And that poor guy, like I saw him years later, and he was really upset. Yeah. with me there's another guy who was older and I never I, it didn't dawn on me he would possibly be a virgin and he was really upset with me too wait did I tell the story about the book the guy who bought me the books no years later he bought me some books and I was like still in that like I was probably like you know early 20s I was probably 19 at the time and then I was like early 20s when we he came back into my life but it still didn't dawn on me that like that the responsibility I should have taken mm-hmm. you know at least to apologize but he bought me, I think he bought me three books and then a, one later, but I can only remember two. They were um, Wicked mm-hmm. and The Virgin Suicides. Oh, no. And then, <laughs> and then later he bought me The Book of Laughter and Forgetting. I think he gave me a book of short stories, but none of them had to do with Oh, you know who this is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, great. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like... I, I think I, it was very damaging. And even when he gave me those books, I was like, I didn't really sink in. I was like, oh, these are really good books. And like, I couldn't accept that I'd really hurt this person. I don't know. We've never really talked that much about your your love life from your teen years because you and I, it was like awkward. Yeah. Wait, wait, hold on. Can I just sum up though? Yeah. Like when you're in that position, the classically male role, mm-hmm. and you see people reacting the way she claims women only act, you realize that it's just, it has everything to do with respect and power and nothing to do with hormones. I had a lack of respect and it's not cool and it's not something that you should just go, oh, that's who I am. Oh, yeah. So fuck that excuse that men are just a certain way. Oh, yeah. No, I get it. Okay, go on. Sorry. Yeah, we never talked about those awkward because (laughs) we had some resentment going on, didn't we? Yeah. We're just in very different places. And plus, yeah, we never wanted to talk about sexy stuff. We never wanted to have a podcast about sexy stuff. I'm so glad we didn't do that. 
I had, I mean, I had a boyfriend when I was 15 who was not great to me, but I never, we didn't sleep together. I just kind of kept that distance. I think you were more open when you were younger. And I feel like you had bad experiences and those shaped your view for quite a while. Is that right or no? Yeah, the first, I mean, I had like a guy kind of assault me at a party when I was even younger and that shaped me. I didn't, you know, I dated some people that were older. I didn't, wasn't interested in sex, but like I won a spark plug changing competition and was sent to the nationals and walked into my instructor's room and he had a shirt off and I was like huh did I win this because he wants to fuck me or yeah those are my impressions of sex and power like at that young age so yeah like not a lot of great although I did I also had a really great boyfriend you know but you know we but, had that, our, but that was that was later though I wasn't 18 19 I think your formative relationships were not overwhelmingly positive, though, right? I mean, they're no worse than yours. <laughs> I wasn't assaulted at a party. That's 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 important. But even with that with that person, I was like, hmm, I didn't really understand how like exactly how diseases were transmitted and HIV and AIDS were like huge topics. So I confronted him. I asked him to go get tested. It's not like I was I shrunk away from it. I shared that information with a mutual friend and she laughed at me and I still was like, fuck you. I'm going ahead and doing this, you know, so I did everything I could to empower myself. Yeah. And then his apartment um got crushed in the Northridge earthquake you know I just like I was like you know so God was on my side I felt like I had a lot of support (laughs) you know it's it's I mean yes and no I like I had a very playful fun time as well I just had sex without shame and guilt and like got to know what it's like in a lot of different circumstances so it was fun too but I mean I would say I would say that the first time I had sex was like not a great thing and it made me angry that's what it was it made me angry. But it's more than just that experience. It's like everything I was seeing, like the the teacher, you know, like it was just it was the power, the patriarchy. Yeah. And I've only just realized, you know, in the last like five years exactly what that is. I've just been trying to play the game as an angry human. Um, so wait, what were you saying? Because like, you had a good experience, a good first. I had many, many iffy experiences up until my first, the first boyfriend that I slept with. I had, I was going back and reading my diary and it's like around the same time that you were doing your spark plug thing, I was at a debate competition and the teacher, oh God, the teacher was flirting with me. Like the guy was flirting with me and I was like, I wrote in my diary like, oh, it was kind of flattering, but weird or whatever I said. But it's just like, that was just, you know, I just brushed off a 40 year old man flirting with a 15 year old, you know, like that weird shit happened constantly. I had many adult men. I mean, the boyfriend, the sort of boyfriend, the guy that I referred to as a guy that I'm seeing was 18 Mm -hmm. that was when I was 15 I mean I was intimate with him and that was just like "Hmm, whatever you know that makes sense right you're I mean this book it's it's all over this book too like you're told you need to get this validation from a man so yeah naturally a 40 year old man giving you attention like that's just you know that's an indication of your worth so you're just going to process that as like (laughs) you know like you're not going to see it as like inappropriate it's like oh that's that's just something that happens yeah yeah can I say something kind of serious? Yeah. That party that you're assaulted, do you remember what I did? No. I wasn't sure it was happening, and I was, I, I went outside and slept in a hammock. Do you remember I, that? Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, I remember that hammock. And I, I probably could have died of hypothermia. I mean, it was like winter, and I, I had a towel with me uh-huh. that I kind of used to, but I was just so, I didn't know what the fuck was going on. We were drinking, which we- And, and smoked a pot. 
and a pot never agrees with me. Yeah, but we didn't we didn't have a lot of experience with drinking. Yeah, I was just so confused because I, I I did not think that you were having a good time, and I didn't know what to do. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you're crying. I am crying. I didn't know what to do about that, and I I I feel guilty. But I felt like, well, I mean, what right do I have to like, I mean, should I do something or like maybe she wants me to go away because it would be weird because I was, I started to fall asleep in that room and then I was like, I can't do this. And I went outside and I slept in a hammock. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Vera. I don't know either. I never talked to you about that. Well, there was like no language for it at that time. No, there wasn't. I guess that's why people need to talk about this stuff more, you know? We didn't, I didn't have language at 16. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what assault was. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. As I said, God took care of it for us. <laughs> I mean, what are you get? What are you going to do but, like, laugh about it and talk about it so that other people can feel supported? Yeah. Well, we're talking about it now. What? We're talking about it now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, is this still a comedy podcast? <laughs> Say a joke. Um, when we recorded the first version of this, I had a long soliloquy about how Steven Skull doesn't know how to fuck. What was this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Wings of a Tiger. Wings of a Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, he was Lieutenant Wings. Better watch out, your apartment's gonna crash down on your ass, make you real flat. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you.